0: going to change ah, come on now you better look at them again and you better tell them like you believe it tell them say today you're going to change it's coming tell them say like it or not it's coming it's better to like it and have fun with it than to not like it and be abused by it amen Strike hands with somebody and then you can be seated this morning. So I'm going to do this. Thank you, musicians. So I'm going to do this this morning. I want us to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray because I need to make sure that I don't add to or take away from what he has put in me. Regarding where we're headed. So, Father, I'm asking. Help me this morning, to speak with a clarity that causes all of us to be willing to accept the change that you are looking for in us. No matter where we come from, whether we're in this room or we're watching online today, if you're streaming live this morning, this is for you too because you're going to need to receive this. Some of you that will be hearing this today, many are going to have a hard time receiving what I will say at some point today. But help us, Holy Spirit, to interpret, not with our mind, not even with our heart, but with the Spirit of God that has been since the beginning of time, That's right. because nothing knows your heart better than the part of you that you sent to occupy this flesh. Help me today. Help us today. I don't want to add, nor do I want to take away from anything that you put in me. I don't want to offer confusion. I want to offer clarity.
1: Are you ready? I just wanted to share, um, like, an experience that I had this week. Um, I thought it was really special. Um, But it started off really simple. I went to the mall, and um, I was just shopping around just like anybody else really would be. And um, you know, you you go to like places like Hot Topic, you know, with all this emo stuff, and, and you see all the stuff posted on the walls. And you know, at first it's, it's just like normal teenager stuff, and then you know, it, it wanders more to the pentagram, you know, goat type of stuff that's you know, cartoonishly drawn all, all over all these T-shirts and stuff. And you know, my first reaction was obviously, you know, this ain't right. Let me get my sister out of here. And um, we did end up walking out. Good for you. But um, as I sat on that bench outside, you know, something didn't really click. I was like, I'm trying to figure out why it's there, you know. And something told me to go back in there and, you know, ask. And when I did, um, the lady said that, you know, there's more than the Christian religion. And that, um, in order to make everybody feel included, that you needed to add that so that everybody felt included. And just by her saying that, it kind of made me realize that, number one, we're not making enough people feel welcome in our own Mm. church. Mm. And that um, if they're not coming here to receive their identity, there's a million other people out there who are going to give it to them. Great word. I just felt like um, rather than trying to fear or, you know, walk away from these type of things, that we, we really just need to lean into it. Good. That is a great word.
0: <laughs> For those of you that might not understand what's going on right now, what you need to understand is that a church has spoken up among the assembly. He's part of the assembly. A church has spoken up. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this comes around again in a few minutes. (laughs) Today is going to be a startling day for some. Some won't have any idea maybe. What it is that I'll be saying soon. But today is going to be opportunity to get on the line, one, and to say what Yahweh's saying too.. Amen. And it really is easy for any given human being. It's really easy for any of us to say what we'll do. Until we're in the do minute. And then when we get in that minute, no matter what we've said up until that minute, it rarely looks the same. Somehow something gets altered. Because if your heart, if your heart, if your heart, if your your ambition, aligns with the Father and we're saying what He's saying in that due minute, that due moment, right. you're going to find you can't do anything except confess what He's saying. Yes. Yeah. Let's find out today. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. So I'm going to begin like this. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Today we're going to continue the series called Until. Today I'm going to be talking about this topic, what you see. Everybody say, what. You see. What you see Christian by the way thank you uh, not by the way Christian uh, emphatically thank you for your obedience this morning uh, Mark chapter 8 uh, beginning with verse 22 I want you to go there and I'm going to read this story to you so again everybody say what you see, what you see. all right do we really know what it is we're looking at when we're looking at it let's find out Mark 8, 22 in the ESV, the English Standard Version says in verse 22, it says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him, brought to Christ, a blind man and begged him to touch the blind man. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him away from the village where all the naysayers were. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked the man, Do you see anything? And the man looked up opened his eyes, and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. I can't discern whether they're trees or people. I just see movement. Something has happened, but I'm not quite at the point yet where I can discern clearly what has actually happened. Part of the reason I believe for this, and I'm going to read the rest of this in a second. Part of the reason I believe he got to this place is the very nature that Christ had to lead him out of the village and away from the naysayers is it's just because you're not where people are that are talking you down or your position down or your faith down, just because you are not where they are, if we do not align ourselves correctly with the Father, you will still hear their voices. Many people throughout their life were verbally, physically, whatever way abused by family members, people they trusted, authority figures, what have you, and the person who abused them or violated them in whatever capacity has long since passed away. They're no longer breathing air, and yet their influence and their voice and their violation still controls the thought processes of the person who still is breathing. They're out of the village, but the village is not out of them. They moved away from the moment, they moved away from the it, but the it still lives in them. So he said, and he took the blind man by the hand, Christ did, and he led him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes, and then he laid hands on him, he said to him, do you see anything? Isn't it interesting that Jesus, who says to a dead man, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. He didn't say, Lazarus, do you think you're capable of coming out of the tomb? There isn't another reference in the Scripture where Christ asked them if they had received their healing in fullness when He spoke. This is it. That's all you get. When He spoke to the dead man, He said, Get up. When He spoke to the leper, He said, You're healed. Whatever He was doing and wherever He was, He spoke to it, and his words immediately brought a fullness to them. But in this case, he leads him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes, then he laid his hands on him, and he asked him, he said, What do you see? Unlike every other reference, he could have said, Isn't it great? You are healed. Instead, he said, can you see, if I ask it differently, can you see past who they say you are? Yet. I took you out of the village. You couldn't even see that you were in the village, but you heard the voices. Just walk with me for a minute. And I took you out, and I'm asking you, What do you see? And he looked and he said, I see people, but they look like trees. That reference is interesting to me because a tree represents something that is permanent, something that is fixed and will not change anytime soon. So instead of seeing a butterfly that would flitter away from a caterpillar to a butterfly to whatever, he sees something that is fixed, and it doesn't look like it's going to... I see trees, and they're just moving. I see the voices in my head now have bodies. Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and the man opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And then he saw everything clearly. You aren't in the village anymore. Listen to me. Sam, you aren't in the village anymore. Austin, you aren't in the village anymore. What do you mean, what village? I don't know. What village? have you existed in that made you less than you're capable of being? You're not in the village anymore, so let's get your eyes open. Let me ask you this. What do you see when you look at others? Think about it. When you look at me, don't answer. <laughs> Out loud, just to yourself. When you look at me, what do you see? Look at your neighbor. When you look at them, what do you see? Well, I see Tim. Well, I see Justina. Well, I see Sarah. Well, I see Jacob. Well, I see no, no, no. Pass the name. What do you see? Immediately, when we look at others, we immediately begin to formulate a thousand processes, go through our mind. I like their shirt. I don't like their shirt. Dress is too short. Dress is too long. They should have wore this. They should have wore that. Too, makeup's too thick. It's not thick enough. This is whatever it is. That guy's shirt is too, too tight. Whatever it is. When you see others, what do you see? I want to reference something this morning before I go any further, and I'm going to answer this question in a minute. But I received a letter from a young lady I have known almost her entire life, and I don't think she is here. Is Genevieve here today? She's working. working. But I received a letter this week, my wife and I did, from Genevieve, and when Genevieve Glasgow, it's Gaston and Wanda's daughter, and I received a letter from her this week, and in that letter she began to spell out. And I didn't, I'm not, I didn't bring the letter to read it all because there's other things in there that aren't pertinent to today. But as I begin to read that letter, I begin to celebrate with Genevieve. Genevieve's a nurse. In Genevieve's heart, it has always been in her to be a midwife. She wanted to be a midwife. She wanted. To, she's worked in labor and delivery in Winnie Palmer Hospital for many years. But her passion was to be a midwife. And then the letter, in her pursuit of becoming a midwife, uh, an opportunity came up for her to go to Africa. Or actually to go to several places. And she chose Africa. And in the letter that she wrote to my wife and I, I was so moved by the reason why. See, Genevieve is not white. She's not a honky like me. It is, true. is that not true? Why do we snicker like that's a bad thing I just said? Genevieve is black, brownish. She's not African American. She's a brown American. She's not even a brown American. She's an American that is brown. She's a Pam. Exactly what he said. Pam and, Amy, Pam and I gotta get my in and my m. <laughs> Stop. You heard him. <laughs> But in the letter, she says, she writes this letter, and it's so well-written and well-spoken, and she said, my heart has always been to be a midwife, and she shared some of the challenges that she had to become a midwife, and she failed the first test, her first midwifery, 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 just bear with me, but she Failed her first midwifery test back in the end of last year. Had to take it again and she passed. It's common. It's nothing unusual about that. But she, in the letter, said, I could have chosen, I'm already a nurse. I'm already a labor and delivery nurse. I already deliver babies. I don't need to do this. But there was something in her. Because of her race, hear what I'm going to say. Not because of the color of her skin. You're going, you really are going to have to dig deep, get what I'm getting. See, a lot of people might say a white preacher can't say things like I'm saying. I don't like those people. Because I'm about the truth. I don't care what color their skin is. I like the people that say, give me the truth. And she had something in her heart because of her race, not because of the color of her skin. The color of our skin does not define who we are. It's the cultures that we get caught up in that imprison us. The color of our skin, the color of anyone's skin never imprisoned them. It's the acceptance of what culture they choose to live in. And she eloquently begins to share some of what's in her heart about the African-American race or the black race. Not just, well, yeah, that's what she said. So let me just say what she said. I don't want to add to it. And she goes on and she says, I chose Africa because I want to go to Africa because I have failed and then I have succeeded. Wow. But I never gave up and I watched too many people of my race and she said I chose Africa because the black people in Africa need to know you can do this but you're going to have to open your eyes and see your situation differently than what you do now so she said I chose and she's going to go to what is it Zambia Zambia, Africa and spend three months delivering babies in a place where the success rate is minimal they don't really care there's not much attention to care it's like get it out and get out of town and she's going to go there and she's going to bring she said I want to bring a different idea of what it is to be black and successful to be black and have passion and to believe You can accept what everybody says about you because of the color of your skin and it has nothing to do with it or you can change the culture. Stop being imprisoned to a culture because of the color of your skin. I'm as black as anyone in this room. I'm as white as anyone in this room. I'm as tan as any Hispanic in this room. I'm whatever I need to be. I am that. I'm never going to be limited because someone looks at me and says, you're a white guy. Well, I'm not. If that's how you see me, that's all I'll ever be. But if you'll see me as a man of truth, then I can become that and I can help you change just like he's helping me change. So I wanted to reference her trip to Africa because of her desire to change the view of the black culture and what their expectations are. Because they have continued, again, she says it so much better than me, but they continue to believe they come up short and they have no hope. And she's going to say, does this look like hope? What's different between you and me? The difference is what I see versus what you see. It's profound. So I ask again, what do you see? When you look at others, and let me say this, I want you to look and point your finger right at the person beside you and say, what you see is what you get. <laughs> what you see is what you get. All right, here we go. i got to move along because i got to make sure I can get everything in that I need to get in today. Now say this with me. If you see Adam you get Adam. If you see Christ, you get Christ. If you see Adam when you look at that person, if you see flesh, if you see air, if you see failure, if you see weakness, if you see defeat, That's all you're going to get out of them. But if you see Christ, you can see past the Adam. (laughs) If I can look at you and I can see Christ in you, the hope of glory, that this Adam is being transformed into the Christ anointing, See, what I love about when I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, when I said, I repent, forgive me, and Jesus Christ literally forgave me of my sins, what he did was he implanted the seed of the Christ anointing in me. Germination took place. He implanted the seed of Christ, and germination begins to happen from that point forward if I hear and obey. So things have to change. Because how many of us, believing in our Christ likeness, When we look in the mirror and we look at ourselves, we see our Christ-likeness. But when we look into the face of others, we see their Adam-likeness. What happens? How is it? I can't speak for the church around the world. I can only speak for the churches that gather here in the people under the sound of my voice online. That's all I can do. And if that's all I can do, then my hope is that those under the sound of my voice, we will be the remnant that will change a culture, change a neighborhood, change a city, change a state, change a country, and change the world. I'm believing that. But I'm believing that you and I have got to do some things, change our positioning, so that instead of seeing men as trees walking, sometimes we just need to say, lay your hands on me one more time. The spit didn't work. (laughs) Lay your hands on me one more time. I'm going to spit on people and just, no, I'm just kidding. Lay your hands on me one more time so I can see clearly. Because in, in our world and in our lives and in our, in our nature, Adam is always trying to raise up its head, Keith. The atom in you and me is always trying to raise up its head. It's always trying to justify our condition based on how we allow ourselves to interpret someone else's condition. We've all known people who elevate themselves by devaluing you. If they can put you down and expose the weaknesses about you, and the only way I can expose your weakness is if I'm, that's what I see. The only way I can talk about your failures is if when I look at you, all I see are your failures. What you see is what you get. If I look at you and all I do is remind myself of how many times you came up short towards me, or against me, or against someone else, or in a situation. If all I do is remind myself, oh man, they did the, oh, they did the, oh, they did. I see Adam, all I'm going to get back is Adam. And all I'll ever do is see men as trees walking. I won't even know that it's Christ in front of me. Trying to get me healed up. What happens if I look at people knowing This happened, that happened, they did this, they said that, they went there, this situation occurred, my boss did this. What happens if I look at them and instead of seeing Adam, what happens if I see instead Christ? If they have any relationship with him at all. What happens if I see Christ? If I'm looking at Christ, suddenly the men as trees walking become, it becomes clear what's in front of me. The other side of until, sonship, maturity. The kingdom is exposed in our willingness to accept that on the south side of until, we're a work in progress. On the north side of until, we're learning how to accept the progress that happened. Do you hear me this morning? So I'm going to read something else to you today out of Genesis 26. Would you go there with me? What you see is what you get. If you see Adam, you will get Adam. Say it with me. If I see Adam... If you look at me today and you think, man, his shirt's wrinkled because the seatbelt was all over that shirt. And I don't like wrinkled shirts. And I got up and I went in my office and I looked in the mirror and I thought, man, that seatbelt has annihilated my shirt. Bugs me. I hate wrinkles. But if you look at me and that's what you see, you see Adam. Or you say, this is the same guy that talks about not having a wrinkled shirt and he has a wrinkled shirt. Yeah, he's a hypocrite. If, if, If that's what you see. I'm being very loose. But if that's what you see, then stop listening to me talk because I'm not going to change anything about you today. But if you look at me and you say, I'm here today because Steve Parker's a man of God. And I believe he is called to do what he does. And if you believe that today, you see Christ in me. The words that come out of my mouth, you won't even see what I'm wearing. You will only hear the voice of Christ within my voice. Genesis 26.12, we're going somewhere that's going to be interesting. Genesis 26.12 says this, and I'm reading this out of the New King James Version uh, because I like the way that it goes and I want to share what these Hebrew words mean. In Genesis chapter 26, did I say twelve? Genesis 26, beginning with verse 12, reads like this. It says, Then Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped in the same year. In the land he was sowing, I can't give a lot of history about this, but keep in mind, the land he was sowing in was full of wells that the Philistines had filled up with dirt. They had plugged up the wells. It didn't keep Isaac from sowing in that land. I can't get into that today, but that's just know that that little bit of history there was a challenge for him. But Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man Isaac began to prosper and continued prospering, everybody say, until, until. he became very prosperous. Now, this verse has been used over and over and over again about finances and money and everything else and and, uh, all the things that it really wasn't meant to relate to. Uh, It doesn't have anything to do with specifically money that's part of it. It simply has to do with this. Let me give you the Hebrew words of these Hebrew interpretation of these words so that you'll know what the original intent was. It says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And he began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. In the King James Version, which is what everything in the Hebrew and the Greek is translated out of, it says this in verse 13. He became richer and richer. He became richer and richer. And in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for richer is wayigdal. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but it's what it's going to be. Wayigdal. And it means to grow or to become great or important, to be promoted, to become powerful, to be praiseworthy, to be magnified, to do great things. To be richer and richer, in other word, another words, means to be elevated, to the point where you stand out among the crowd. Your position becomes elevated, not because you're so great, but because of what the Father did and your obedience to the Father made you great. And people can't help but recognize how great you become. Then he goes on and it says, the rest of that verse says, He began to prosper or became richer and richer and went forward. Move forward or continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And that word, or it is wealthy in the King James, it is wealthy, which is the similar word. It is way goddel, which is the same interpretation. Again, to be elevated, to become important, to become significant, to be set apart in a way that you were not before. So, let's read this correctly. It says, Isaac sowed in the land that had been determined by the Philistines it would not be workable. We're going to plug up all the water supplies. We're going to take away what's necessary in order for them to produce crop and grain. And yet, Isaac sowed in that land believing God. Confessing Saying what the father said right. i'm sowing in the land the father said, This is the land I cannot consider what Adam is in this land. I have to see this and say what the father's saying, and he began to prosper and continued prospering. now let me show you both sides of this until that's very interesting. I tell you both sides it says he began to, he began to prosper He became Richer and richer is on the south side of until. During his time of preparation, he began to grow in stature and wisdom. He was more and more praiseworthy. It's not taking any glory away from God. Being praiseworthy. Listen, if you're not praiseworthy, you can't give any glory to God. People look at you and you look like you have no hope. Where's the glory of that? Honor cannot, there's no substitute for honor. There is no substitute for honor. You can't fake it till you make it and try to fit honor into your situation. You either get into honor or it's not coming. So he's getting richer and richer on this side of until, and it says he became more and more prosperous until, until, He became very prosperous. He was prospering on both sides of until. He was doing well on this side, but it wasn't enough because it wasn't the promise. In the middle of however well you think you're doing, the Father has an until moment that wants you to do even better. However, your position, wherever you think you are with Christ, you can think this relationship I have with the Father, it, 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 it's second to none. I want to tell you on the other side of until there's an opportunity for there to be not only second to none, there's literally no comparison. It stands out, sets itself apart. Your prominence, your ability to have a voice into people around you. I have to make this point real clear because it's insignificant for me to be able to go where I'm going. So no matter how well you are in condition A, I'm prospering, I'm doing well. Know this, wherever you are right now, you are still moving towards an until moment. There is still an until moment before you, no matter how well you're doing, and what you see is what you get. And if you look at this thing and you say, man, this I just see fulfillment, it is finished, it is done, then it's done. And that's an atom view. But if you look at this thing and say, even in this situation, age is ins- insignificant, it's irrelevant, my condition, health is irrelevant, my, my job is irrelevant, all of these things, has no impact, no influence on what I see in Christ and what he wants to do with me. No matter where I'm at right now, he wants to get me somewhere else. Are you with me? Are you with me? The problem is that often people don't get to the other side of until because they know what's there or they think they do. And when they think, even if they believe it's right, walk with me. Even if they believe it's right, on the other side of until they see, I'm going to be very prosperous. Is there anybody in here that wants to be very prosperous? Who? (laughs) I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about living. Anybody want to be so joyful? You get up before your alarm clock goes off every morning. You want to love who you are and what you do so much. No one has to talk you into going to work. You don't like where you work. (laughs) You could have paused for like 30 seconds before you... you you (laughs) It doesn't matter if I look on the other side of until what I need to see is Christ. And sometimes the atom we see isn't what we see in others. Sometimes the atom we see is what we see in ourselves. What you see is what you get. And if you look at yourself and you say, This is who I am, this is my nature, this is my personality, this is just the way it's going to be. And God's going to have to use it. He made it, use it the best He can. And you say that. You're always going to be trying to talk yourself into believing that you love who you are. But if we can begin to see that very prosperous side of until. The place where the abundance is so overflowing, there's no measure. When I talk about abundance, I'm talking about the joy, the relationship, the life, the prominence, the set apart. How you are set apart. Suddenly. What in the middle? See, on this side, listen to me. On this side of until, I can't get into this too deep, but on this side of until where it says, and the man began to prosper and continued prospering, on this side of until he was uncapping wells. Right. He was digging them back up. And once he found the place. Once he found the place, see, even after he had to, he was so rejected, the Philistines continue; they want to fill him in, and, and he ended up going to the valley of Gerar, digging again, and I can't give all that, we're not going to get into all that. And there were those who rose up against him because some of the wells that he was digging, they rose up against Isaac, and they said, no, you're not going to do that, that water belongs to us, until he found the well at Rehoboth. And he dug that well. And he became very prosperous. Because he dwelt in a place. Suddenly he had gotten to a place. He said, when I look at me, I don't see myself. I was doing great. It was wonderful. But I need to see Christ. Now, obviously, Isaac didn't say I need to see Christ. I just, I need to be on the same page. I need to be confessing what my father's saying. You know, on this side I want to try to dig out and dig in and do all this, but on that side I want to see I want to say what the father's saying. I want to reflect that. Cuz notoriety doesn't come because you say forgive me in all the right places. Proper positioning doesn't come because you apologize in all the right moments. Sonship doesn't come because you show up to church a certain number of times a year. It comes because every day we find ourselves towing the line. We find ourselves every single day saying, what are you saying? My confession is going to be what you are saying. So are you giving him anything to work with? Are you giving the Father anything to work with? See, Isaac sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed in the land. He sowed in the land. He sowed in the land. What do we give the Father to work with? We don't give him much when we look and and everything we see. We see Adam. We never see Christ. We see failure. We never see success. We see mad. We never see happy. We see unforgiveness. We never see forgiveness. You hearing me today? Don't expect people to see Christ in you when you only see Adam in them. You better write that down and put it on your mirror. Don't expect to people to see Christ in you when all you see in them is Adam. Nobody in this room, I'm going to read something in a moment, but nobody in this room could not look at somebody else that you know in this room and not easily see Adam, because Adam, unfortunately, always has a bright light shining on him. Adam is the one that always has the spotlight on him. Every place someone has been let down, every failure, every moment where things didn't go right. But if I can position myself, if Steve Parker can put myself in a place to say what the Father's saying, sometimes we just need to ask Him. Let's, let's, not cons- let's not think we know what He's saying until He says it. Yeah. Can we not get ahead of Him? Yeah. If I can position myself to say, okay, now I've heard your word, that will be my confession. And I'm going to begin to say what you are saying. And if I'm saying what you are saying, not only can I expect people to see the Christ in me, I'm going to begin to see the Christ in whatever measure. Might just be coming in to prosper. Might just be overcoming the until and becoming very prosperous. But not everybody you see is gonna, will have arrived on the other side of until yet. Right, yeah. not, not everybody you know will have arrived on that other side of maturity yet. So I wanna read something to you and then I'm gonna share something. I'm gonna read a letter, my daughter, an email, my daughter letter, something, it was a letter that was sent in an email that she sent to me this week. And it's not very often, in fact, almost never that I get extremely personal about my family life, my situation. It is very rare that, in fact, never have I shared anything that is this behind the scenes, as you're about to hear. Never. But I'm going to read this to you regarding a particular time in this house some of you will be familiar with, some of you will not. But some time ago, I began to stand up at the end of every service and I began to welcome people home. Wherever you are, wherever you've gone, for whatever reason you left, or you're no longer here, just want you to know, nothing is held against you, and we forgive you, and you can come home. And I've done that and did that for quite a while, and still, that's my heart. And Kaylee sent me this, I did not know, she had not shared this with me before this week on February the 18th, which is whatever day that was. And she sent this to me, and I said to her, I said, I want to read that Sunday morning because of what I'm going to be preaching, but I'm not going to tell you what I'm preaching. In fact, I told the team this morning that I'm going to say something today that's going to be very difficult for some people to accept. That's coming, still coming. She said this, the first time you stood up in front of the family talking about you, and you said, welcome home, I got mad. I was so mad that I cried. I thought to myself, how can that be? How could he open the doors? You weren't just letting them know they were welcome back. You were holding the door open for them to walk through. That was very difficult for me to accept considering I saw what they did to you behind closed doors. I watched you cry on the floor in the living room of our home. I heard the conversations between you and mom. I watched you both dig as deep as you could every single day for hope. You lived one day at a time because that's all you had the strength for at that time. Most days you could not see through your tears. And I stood on the platform behind you as you took a vote in an assembly that does not have a vote for any decisions for whether or not you should remain the head minister of this ministry that you have dedicated your life to. Most days you could not hear beyond the noise of their lies and I could not hear beyond the sound of your cries. I remember the feeling of relief when our family had a moment that didn't include a single thought about people outside of the five of us. I remember what it felt like to have an afternoon by the pool with the five of us that didn't include conversation about the wound of the day. Every time I thought it was over, another bomb would go off. There were new wounds every day, and every wound was deeper than the last. And I had to watch the people that you gave your life to hurt you as badly as they could with no remorse. But still you said, welcome home. It is because of your ability to lead well on your worst day that you lead well on your best day. Your anointing envelops who you are. You are so one with Yahweh that there is no separation between Him and you. You love people like he loves people, unconditionally. You father people like he fathers people. Even on their worst day, they're a son and you're their father. Home to you is always home. So, welcome home, you'd say over and over for weeks. I cringed every time and tried to look like I was in agreement because I'm always on stage right behind you when you say it and everyone can see my face. To be honest, at that time, I could think of all the ways I would torture them if I were allowed. I had terrible thoughts in my mind and heart, and I meant every single one of them. So I'd just close my eyes and clap a little bit when you said, Welcome home. I decided to engage Holy Spirit and figure out what my role was in welcoming vagabonds home. I never want you to stand alone with your shovel, with people gathered around watching you turn over dirt. I want to be holding the wheelbarrow or standing close by with a bucket. I wanted to know how I could get off the bleachers and onto the field. My emotions said, kill them all. But my heart said, how do I welcome them home? It wasn't until today that Yahweh showed me how to be the key that unlocks the front door and welcomes them home. And the key is my confession, saying what Yahweh is saying. The key is reminding people why God chose them. My confession is the key. My confession is the same thing Yahweh is saying. So I confess about them what Yahweh says about them. How I feel about them doesn't matter. What they did to our family doesn't matter. What they did to the people of our house, talking about you, doesn't matter. The emotions they evoke do not confess what Yahweh is saying. My confession about them needs to be intentional and needs to be what the Father says. I don't have to confess it to them. I just confess what He says about them in my time with Him. My confession is a frequency that rings true to the Spirit in them. Yahweh is so cool because during my confession, I am healed. During my confession, it's my mind that is renewed. During my confession, the confines of my heart expand. My confession about them is what He says is good about them, not what I feel about them. And not what they did to me. Not what I think should happen to them. My confession is not thought up by me. It is His original intent for them that is lying dormant. My confession is His truth about them. He loves them as much as He loves me. I have encouraged my team to consider who they know truths about that they can confess in their communion with the Father. I encourage them to call to those things in those people that are true. The Christ. See the Christ. What it is about them that the Father says. Confess their anointing. Confess where they belong. Confess who loves them. Confess where there is forgiveness. Confess where there is purpose. Confess where the fulfillment of their dreams lie, etc. I believe that is how I get my hands dirty with you. I have to set my emotion aside and start confessing what Yahweh is saying. So as I read that, no one knows what's been in me. I wouldn't even tell my wife. When I told her sometime last week, I said, I'm going to do something Sunday morning that people are going to be surprised by. Some will be in agreement with. Some will be in disagreement with. Both of those are irrelevant to me. Not the person, but the kind of agreement they choose to or not choose not to have. And my wife said, what is it? I said, I can't tell you. And the reason I couldn't it's because what I found over the years for me, no one walks with me closer than my bride. No one stands more in agreement for me with me than my bride. She is my gift. She is God's gift to me. And no one will defend me more vigorously than my bride. No one can shoot an arrow more straight or thrust a sword more appropriately in defense of her husband, like my wife. So I knew that for me to say something to my wife about where I'm going and what I'm going to do would lend... To the sense that she might need to fill her quiver with some arrows. Or sharpen both edges of her sword. So I chose to say nothing. But some time ago, it's been a while. Holy Spirit began to deal with me about something, this. Begin to speak to me about what I'm talking to you about today, and it's been a while since Holy Spirit gave me that concept, that thought, that revelation for me, that what you see is what you get. This wasn't born this week. This was something that's been turning over in my heart and soul for some time now what you see what do I see do I see Adam when I look at them if I see Adam I'm going to get Adam if I see Christ I'm going to get Christ if there's any Christ in them that's what I'll get if there's no Christ in them then I know how what how do I position myself I need to be Christ to them be a tutor to them until with law until by the spirit they can begin to walk on their own that's what Paul did that's what he said that's how we do it that's what we do that's what you do. do that's what I do that's what all of us should be doing So as I begin to walk this out, and I continue to run that thought over in my heart, my mind, my spirit, if I see Adam, I'm going to get Adam. If I see Christ, I'm going to get Christ. If I see Adam, I'm going to get Adam. What you see is what you get, Steve. What do you want? When you see this person, when you see that person, when you see this situation, what do you want out of that? What do you want? What kind of demonstration are you going to be? Do you want to be prosperous, or do you want to be very prosperous? Do you want to do well, or do you want to do so well that you can't even define what kind of well that is? So, in the process of time, I've got a lot of friends in ministry, and I dialogue with them, and I've got to move along here, but I dialogue with them consistently all the time. And I've never shared with any of them, you are hearing for the first time today, other than myself, I'm the first one that heard it when Holy Spirit spoke it to me, you'll be the second. But in the process of those relationships, many times I've talked to so many of my peers and friends and people that I believe in that have shared with me, given what I'm about to say, without them knowing what I'm about to say, they would say, in this situation, I would do this, or I wouldn't do this, or I wouldn't do this, or I wouldn't do this. But I can tell you the mark of this ministry has never been doing what anybody else is doing. What has marked the rock of Central Florida and set us apart to the very prosperous is set apart. It is that Hebrew word, you are set apart. You are worthy, worthy, worthy to be set apart. The mark of this ministry has always been not to do what others are doing, not to be different so that we can say we're different, but to simply say this is what he's saying about us. It might not fit anywhere else, but for us, it fits. For us, it's right. For what He's called us to do. Remember, He didn't call me to do something in Central Florida. You're here today. Accept it or not. The reason you're sitting under my voice today is because somehow He got a hold of you and brought you here to make you a part of the vision. You are as much a part of this vision as Steve Parker. We do this. And when He called you here, He knew you were capable to do what I'm about to tell you. He didn't tell me this morning before I walked in the doors of this church, he did not say to me, Steve, don't preach it today. John Doe's going to be there. They're not apart. No. I've been looking forward to this moment all week long. Once it was settled in me, I had lunch with a friend of mine, with Kent. Uh, this week, and I was telling him, I cannot wait. Did I not, Ken? I cannot wait until Sunday morning. I didn't tell him what I was going to do. I just said, I cannot wait until Sunday morning. I cannot wait to gather with our people because transition is going to happen today. Are you ready? So I'm going to get feedback from what I'm about to say. I have no idea what it's going to be. But no matter what the feedback is, I choose to see Christ. No matter what my peers say to me, what some of you might say, I don't know. I don't anticipate any of you misaligning. But you have to ask the Father regarding you. To do in you, maybe, what he has now done in me. and take your time There's no rush for you but I am going to do what at one time I thought was unthinkable literally unthinkable at one time if you had asked me a year ago would I ever say what I'm about to say to you I would have said there is no... Jesus would have to show up on a white horse and put me on the back of it and take me to that situation. And I think sometimes it is at the moment when we are so certain that we are right that He shows us it might have been right for a season but now it's time to do something different. Sometimes it is the people who have hurt you the most and said the worst things about you. What good is it? If when people speak evil of us, where is Christ in me taking a position or you taking a position where we leave no room for the miraculous? We need to be careful that we always leave room for the miraculous. And there let me just say, I'm going to do something beginning Tuesday. And I'm going to give some people from my past opportunity to see Christ in me when I know everything in them can only see Adam. I'm going to be making some visits to people who on any given day would say to you, there is no chance Steve Parker will ever show up here. And they're going to find me standing in front of them. Because what the father has been dealing with, Kaylee Hoffman said something a few, maybe a month or so ago in one of the meetings that we had in the back. She said, this house is always changing, but it's never changed like it's changing now. I'm paraphrasing what she said. She said it much better than me. But it rang so true in me, and it was. she didn't know it, but she said that right in the middle of all of this going on in me. Right in the middle of it. And all I can think about was, no matter how much change and how incredible and effective the ministry of this house has become, I believe in in the until moment. And this, I believe, is as good as it gets until we come to this place today. It will not get better or deeper or more far-reaching without this until moment. We are not only invited, we are not only invited into this until moment, it is imposed upon us. By Holy Spirit. So this is my position. Knowing, coming in here this morning. Oh, believe me. I was in the offices over there, the new office, and I was asking Holy Spirit, help me today. Because the Adam in us is going to resist. But if ever there has been an overwhelming presence of Holy Spirit, let it be today. that can take whatever Adam is in us and relinquish it to absolute insignificance. It has been, and I was saying to my wife, and I think this is an interesting season. You know, there is, I'm not going to get into this deeply. I wasn't planning to go here. I can't because we're out of time, but There is the principle, it's not a principle, it's a, it was a law, and then in the beginning was law, became something of the spirit that we all believe in, and it's jubilee. Seven years ago, almost to the day, people walked out of this place and said some of the most vile things about you and me don't think for a second it was about it was about you too many of you you don't even know one of those people that walked out said we will not stop until Steve Parker and the rock of central florida no longer exist and I'm gonna stand up, and those who want to believe me will. Those who want to believe a lie will. It's always. It's been. It's always been that way. It'll always be that way. Yes, yes, yes. Right. But I'm gonna reach out to those folks because I'm gonna tell you what the Father's saying about these people. He loves them. Now you might not. Maybe you do. But if my confession, if I'm going to confess with the Father, if I really have any confession, I'm going to tell you, I can't get to the... We're at an until moment right now. And this is as good as it's going to get until we step over and show that we are capable of being responsible for more. And I'm going to show up, and I'm not going... I'm not attacking people. I'm going to make confession. And I'm going to say what Yahweh's saying He loves you. There is a Christ in you. And I hope you'll find it. If you haven't. And then I'm going to say, Come home. Do not. For a single second, step into this until place with any reluctance, because if there's reluctance in you, you'll never get through it. So many times, we embrace what we do not understand, because it's obedience. As I said a year ago, I would have said, there is no chance, and I can tell you let me just tell you this about you. People who, if, if people did to you what some of these people did to my family and said about you what they said, you don't know it because they're not going to tell you. But if they said about you what they said about my family or if you knew what they said about some of you, you would recognize the significance of this until moment. When I think about Isaac, I think about this, Christian. I'm going to step into this until moment. It has been in me for a while. And I have held this in myself. Getting it out has been amazing. Because we're as far as we're going until we begin to see Christ in others and stop seeing the Adam. And when we see Him, we can't say, I hold this against you, I hold that against you. Forgive. 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 Aren't you glad? Christ doesn't come to you, Liz, and say, remember this, remember this, shame on you, shame on you. You, I'm just going to remind you over and over, I've forgiven you, but doggone you are, you did this, and he doesn't do that. And that's my position. And that is the until moment we're moving into today. Today. So... I can't impose anything upon you. I cannot force you to do anything. Not, my, not you, not my wife, not my kids. Only me. The only person I have any authority over, true authority over, is Steve Parker. And I know what I'm capable of. And I can tell you I know how hard this was going to be for me, was. It will not be hard for me. You need to understand what he's calling us to. If you think this is it, if you think this is as good as it gets, don't come into this until moment. But I'm going to tell you, there's some until moments ready and waiting for every single person in this room today. Can you embrace it? The Father doesn't want you prosperous. He wants you very prosperous. So I lift my voice.